Lyricist Oscar Hammerstein helped revolutionize the American musical arguably twice, first with Showboat in 1927, and then with Oklahoma, which he wrote with Richard Rogers in 1943. When Hammerstein wasn't writing lyrics, he was still writing. It has nothing to do with a flower drum song, but this is a letter I have to write, so will you... He recorded this for his secretary. Take it while I think of it and be off my mind. This is to Arthur B. Spingarn. Hammerstein's papers are now housed at the Library of Congress, and critic Bob Mondello says the publishing on Friday of a volume called The Letters of Oscar Hammerstein II will make his correspondence widely available for the first time. Shortly after sending the 1,000-page manuscript to the publisher, editor Mark Eden Horowitz, a senior music specialist at the Library of Congress, hosted an evening at the library called As Ever Oscar. He had, he told the audience, read through virtually all of the 25,000 letters in the Oscar Hammerstein collection. And ended up transcribing over 4,600 of them. Those are the best ones. The best of the best that made it into the volume showcase not just the creative Hammerstein, but Hammerstein the businessman, the mentor, and occasionally the corrector, as when a magazine asked permission to quote the lyrics of Old Man River. Hammerstein's response, read for the audience by actor Harry Winter. You may tell the Nash Air Flight magazine that it is okay to use the words fish gotta swim, birds gotta fly in the context they submitted. You may also inform them that these words are not from Old Man River. (laughs) They are from a song called Can't Help Lovin' That Man. In Old Man River, there is nothing about either swimming or flying. It is mostly rolling. He would later have to correct even his own lawyer about this particular song. In 1937, a Hollywood studio planned a film to be titled Old Man River, and the lawyer said he'd investigate, but he didn't think he could stop it. Since Hammerstein hadn't originated the phrase, he'd just used an old expression that was in the public domain. Hammerstein took exception to that. The expression was originated by me, and if it was an old one and in the public domain, the public seemed blandly unconscious of it until 1926. When the song was introduced, I had never heard the expression before, and uh, neither had you. Not that Hammerstein was always right. After a backer's audition for Carousel, he got a note from a potential investor who was also a farmer, praising his work, but saying if accuracy mattered, he might want to fact-check this. The sheep aren't sleeping anymore. All the rams that chase the ewe sheep are determined they'll be new sheep, and the ewe sheep aren't even keeping score. In June? He raised sheep, he said, and they mate just once a year in late autumn, hence spring lamb. Hammerstein replied, a bit sheepishly, I was delighted with the parts of your letter praising my work and thrown into consternation by the unwelcome news about the eccentrically frigid behavior of ewes in June. I have since checked your statement and found it to be true. It looks very much as if in the interest of scientific honesty, I shall have to abandon the verse dealing with sheep. For the record, he did not. Also for the record, the reason we have this full exchange is that Hammerstein kept not just the letters sent to him, but carbon copies of his replies, detailed missives to directors who wanted to make changes after opening night, to movie censors who wanted to clean up carousel lyrics, to other authors who asked him for advice, and to the many folks who suggested source material they thought Roger 
Rodgers and Hammerstein should musicalize. In the late 1940s and early 50s, they were offered Pygmalion and the once and future king. They passed on both, happily for the team of Lerner and Lowe, who turned them into My Fair Lady and Camelot. They also passed on Don Quixote, Peter Pan, and Mary Poppins, and their lawyer actually optioned Tevye's daughters before they decided they weren't the right fit for the material. In fairness, during those years, they wrote South Pacific, State Fair, The King and I, Cinderella, Flower Drum Song, and The Sound of Music, so it's not as if they didn't have some decent ideas themselves. They also had to bat away movie stars who wanted to be in their musicals. Imagine if they'd acquiesced. The hills are alive when Doris Day wanted this part. With the sound of music. Hammerstein noted that the movie version was still years away, by which time Day would be in her mid-40s, hardly the near-schoolgirl Maria they had in mind. Worked out pretty well with a singer still in her 20s. The hills are alive with the sound of music With songs they have sung for a thousand years. Years before, Hammerstein had also rebuffed Jimmy Cagney's offer to produce the movie of Oklahoma if they'd let him play Curly. As for public requests to use their work, he had to be careful, as he wrote to Paul T. Hurt Jr. in February 1952. I cannot give you permission to use the album of South Pacific in the way that you describe, he wrote. Once we open the gates, our copyright will be generally abused all over the world. I suggest, however, that if you forget that you wrote me this letter, I will forget that I turned you down, then you might go ahead and do it, and once it was done, I am quite sure I would not try to put you and the Cub Scouts in jail. Theater wasn't Hammerstein's only interest. Many of his letters concern his involvement in the civil rights movement. He was on the board of the NAACP. Following World War II, he worked feverishly to promote peace in articles, letters, and speeches. Today, our title to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is heavily mortgaged. Foreclosure can come without notice, with the dropping of one bomb in the right place, and it doesn't have to fall right on your head either. It can miss you by 20 miles and still kill you. He wrote this in 1952. Now you would think that all men and women in the world would be uniting to defend themselves against this condition. You would think they would be applying all their energies and ingenuities to conceiving ways to stop it. His conception, articulated in earnest correspondence with the likes of General Douglas MacArthur, was that there ought to be a world power that could enforce sanctions when governments wage war. And if that seems to speak directly to us in this moment, imagine Editor Horowitz's surprise. I felt like Oscar had actually written to me. When he read a 1942 letter from Hammerstein to composer Jerome Kern. Knowing that you file your letters and I file copies of mine, it is quite possible that in a couple of thousand years, some archaeologist might dig up either the original or the copy, and seeing the date will be completely puzzled that during the Great War, so long a letter could be written without some reference to it. It will be hard enough for him to understand how people could be so dumb as to wage wars like this, but once in them, how could they possibly be interested in such things as I discussed so seriously in this letter? Well, Mr. Archaeologist... That's the way we were in those days. Thanks to the Library of Congress and archaeologist, or rather editor, Mark Eden Horowitz, it hasn't taken 2,000 years to discover the erudite, sometimes irascible letters of Oscar Hammerstein, or to understand why their author took so many things so seriously. But yeah, the puzzlement about war... Is a puzzlement. Sure is. I'm Bob Mondello. When I was a boy 
world was better spot, what was so was so.